All right, and welcome back to the second hour of trucking technology and efficiency. Uh, we've got Joel out on the road somewhere in North Dakota, and John's on the racetrack in Virginia, and I'm sitting in the parking lot of Pittsburgh Power. you got to love technology these days. Uh, so we're, we're going to jump back into it. This hour is a total free-for-all. Talk about anything you want. I'm going to. You can, too. And John and Joel, feel free to throw in any kind of strange topic you want. It's a freaky free-for-all Friday to end the week. And uh, there is a topic I want to jump into. It is health-related, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But, uh, John, you and I talked about this at dinner. We, we talked about, you know, the results we've achieved with health. I know, Joel, you've done the same stuff. And it, it just seems to be human nature when you discover something like this that is so life-changing for yourself, it's just natural to want to share it with other people, and it's frustrating. And, John, you and I talked about watching friends, you know, our age, 50 to 60 now, and all the health problems they're going through. I'm dealing with it with my family. I was helping them while I was in Ohio. I met up with a couple old high school friends that I haven't seen in 30 years. Um both of them, you know, fairly healthy most of their life. Neither one of them are obese or no, you know, they were both athletes. They stayed active. Uh, and yet they both are suffering from some pretty severe health issues now. Uh, and I was working with them and helping him as well. Uh, and I just saw statistics. So think about this. If, if we know the, the food supply just gets worse and worse all the time. Do, John, Joel, do either one of you remember anybody when you were a teenager or in your 20s, any of your peers having type 2 diabetes? Never. Never, right? John, can you remember anybody at that age? No. No, none. Do you know what the number is right now? A new study just came out. Teenagers, teenagers, 30% of them are now pre-diabetic. It's it's crazy that the kids, my, my brother's son, you know, he just turned 16. He's like six four, three twenty. Oh, it, it's, it's just nuts. And, and these, these guys, these kids in high school, they're huge. <laughs> and it, 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 there's just definitely something in the food. I don't know, man. It, it's yeah. just, so that doesn't surprise me a bit. You know, you, you look at that kid and you think, man, he's going to have to get on this because he's going to end up. You know, diabetes. Something's going to happen here if if he's not taking care of business and doing it what, doing it soon. So I hear you. What is their health I, going I, I've to be got like pieces. at fifty if they're pre-diabetic in their teens? They might not make it to fifty. The, the, the freshman ten is now the freshman twenty-five. Uh, my kids are active, uh, luckily, but they don't eat properly. Uh, and they don't understand. They think I'm crazy when I stop over or whatever. And, and like, yeah, and, and what they eat nowadays, Kevin, that the average high school kid, they eat, it's beyond carb based. It's nothing but carbohydrates and sugars and grains and the drinks and, and smoothies. Yeah. I had a healthy smoothie this morning. Like, you know, <laughs> right. she makes, you know I had a healthy smoothie you had this morning. Like, yeah. It's all fruit or it's all this and it's all that. Yeah. It's fruit. And it's, you know, that little packet of stuff you put in there has 30 grams of sugar in it. Yeah. Like, what, what is up with like, or, and, and they, they, they just call corn syrup, corn syrup. Now they don't even have to label it as high fructose corn syrup anymore. And it's in everything. I'm such a fanatic about reading labels. You know, try to find some keto-friendly, carnivore-friendly, whatever snacks on the road lately. And even in the last three years, I used to find it easier to find like a pack of beef jerky with no sugar in it. Try to find a pack of beef jerky right now with zero sugar. Oh, my God. It, try. That is so hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why is it even in there? Like, oh, it, 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 like it's 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 absurd. Yeah, and it seems to be proliferating. Like, it's it, that whole industry seems to be a, a fighter against the ropes right now, and is really trying to assert itself on us as a society. Um, the sugar and grains and, yeah. and everything that they claim are, are healthy, and it is just absurd. It, it is completely absurd. I I finished up uh, the Walls Protocol on my way on this trip and started on good calories, bad calories for my listening on on, 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 on my driving this past week. And it's just, uh, 
I, I hate to even call it a conspiracy because it's not. It, it's perfectly legal. In some ways, right. it's damn good business. You know, That's if you're it. a business person, yep. if your 401k is invested in general bills, I mean, you you want this, right? Like it, it's it's it, it is what it is, and it's a it's an area where our government has really gotten it wrong. And you know, if uh, you know, if Ansel Keys were here right now, I I, 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 I don't know what I'd do to him. And you know, I, I like want to seek out his, his his family and do something to them. So, <laughs> <laughs> and not a lot of people know who that is, but that guy is almost you know him coupled with Eisenhower's heart attack is really what sent us on a path that is terrible. It's just it, and, it, and it gets worse and worse and worse because it's good business. And we're it's exporting it to the whole the, world. Yeah. Oh, we are. Yeah. 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 Now, um, Good yeah. Calories, Bad Calories was an awesome book. Gary Tobbs is an, an amazing, yeah. you know, science writer. That was one of my favorites. I love him. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Case Against Sugar and Case for Keto, I, I'm done with already. Now I'm on Good Calories, Bad Calories. Yeah. It's like 26 hours long. It's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. I th- it's going to be going to cover a couple of trips for me. Yeah. I think if I remember right, there's some really good stuff in there or bad stuff about Ansel Keys, even deeper than maybe you've read in the past. I think in that book, he goes really deep into that starvation study he did. Okay, I, I've not read. I've not got to that part yet. Yeah, that so was interesting. My knowledge on keys mostly came from uh, Nina Nina Teicholtz's uh, book, right. uh, "Take That Surprise," and, and she just lifted it from "Good Calories, Bad Calories." I think, or she did a synopsis of, of him from that. And she, I think, she credits uh, Tobbs in, in, in her book for that. But uh, yeah, so now I'll get the rest of it here. But and again, it's just a confluence of things that happened that were perfectly legal that you can do and you know when, when you when you throw in you know lobbyists and then you know whatever politicians career they're going to have after they're done being a politician like it's it, it, it you know and and we can live you know you mix it with the drug industry yeah hey we could live to be 80 on this pill that pill and the other pill but yeah why not just eat right it just drives me nuts it really yeah, does I, i'm pretty passionate about it i i just saw a new drug just recently approved by the fda and uh it, it you know statins are i think the second mm. best-selling class of drugs on the mm-hmm. market i think um, ppis might be number one i think statins are number two uh but obviously the statins are failing because now there's a new class of drugs to lower cholesterol if the statins aren't working well enough <laughs> and you don't even need to lower so, your cholesterol it, well, that's, the, that's like, the whole point why are we lowering <laughs> cholesterol Here, here's here's the thing i went through with my with my heart now so before the, they had to replace my heart valve because it was just simply too big. It was a birth defect, and the, the flappers weren't touching in the center, and it was it was leaking back into the chamber, and it was it was giving me problems. You know, I was having some fatigue and whatnot that I really didn't notice all that much because I was really hard on the carnivore at that time, and I was actually feeling pretty good. Yeah. Anyways, they go in and they put the camera up my arm because I got to take pictures of everything to get ready for the surgery and and measure everything and. There are three doctors. I'm down at Ohio State. There are three doctors with 30 years experience, you know, watching the students run this thing up my arm. And they're watching the screen, and the doctor says, man, you have got some clean pipes. Anybody in here would be proud to have those pipes. So I'm I'm remembering this, okay? So I get out, and I go to the uh, cardiologist. First thing he wants to do is put me on a statin. Unbelievable. And I'm thinking, well, well, what the hell for? I said, I'm perfectly clean inside. We got high cholesterol. I said, you, I said I'm, not, I'm not taking a statin. Well, you, you have to. This is going to be problematic down the road. I said, I'm not taking a statin. I ain't doing it. Awesome. I, I mean, yeah. there's nothing, no blockages, nothing perfectly clean. And he wants me to take a stat, and I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, he wants you to he wants you to experience muscle pain and memory loss. I mean, that's all you could say about you know, taking a stat. Here, here's the thing: they they sent me home with a bottle, and I'd heard all this stuff about muscle pain and whatnot. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to take a couple of these. My teeth and my fingernails hurt. Really? And I'm like, I'm done. Whoa. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. My teeth and my fingernails and toenails hurt. Holy cow. Hey, so I was like, nah. That, uh, that may qualify you as an official biohacker. 
There you go. Taking a drug just to see what it does. Let's see what this does. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> so now my, my last thing that I've got, um, I have to watch my INR levels for my blood thickness. And I am popping blood thinners, Coumadin, like Tic Tacs in order to maintain this level. And they said that I, it's unusual the amount of blood thinners that I have to take to keep me in the acceptable range between two and three. So I, I got reading, you know, what can I do to try and reduce these? And cranberries it kept coming up, cranberries, cranberries. So I bought a bag of dried cranberries. And the other thing you can do is it's just alcohol will thin your blood. Yeah, right. Yep. So when I'm home on the weekends, I, I'll do a couple shots of rum. Um, over the course of the weekend. And then when I'm out on the road, I'm eating handfuls of cranberries. So I'm still taking my blood thinners the way I'm supposed to, and I can test out on the road. I got one of the kits, and they ain't kidding when they tell you eat eat cranberries and drink alcohol. It thinned me right out, and I'm thinking if I work this right, I i don't know if I can totally eliminate that Coumadin, but I'm going to work at it and see if I can get off it completely. Hey, Joel, you might want to consider just uh, reaching out to Dr. Wolfson, the cardiologist. And, uh, and I, I've, been, I've been thinking about it. Yeah, I, I've I, been thinking about it. I'd love to hear his take on this. I really would. Uh, so if you do it that. Would, it would wait, be interesting. You know, do you think we should um, bring a new product into the store? I'm thinking cranberry vodka might be... Uh, Something. <laughs> I'll buy you out. Yeah, there you go. So I, I there you go. About my, my my grandfather who lived to be ninety four, um, and my grandmother went to one hundred and five. Uh, but uh, and, and they ate a traditional Eastern European diet. There were grains and starches involved, obviously, but there was also real butter and lard. She cooked in lard all the time until she died. Uh, never used the. Uh, you know, Crisco or anything like that. Um, you know, everything was a garden, lots of ferments, uh, maybe some unintentional, but uh, there was always a garden. <laughs> there was always stuff put up. And, and we still have the house. There's still jars and stuff in the, in the, in the fruit cellar. I, I, I might want to uh, crack one open just for the hell of it at some point and see. Um, but uh, he, my grandfather, you know, had, was diagnosed with high blood pressure at one point. He was a foreman at Westinghouse and fairly high pressure job. And, uh, he was also a union shop steward, and he was, you know, he, he was very active. He was mayor of a little town he was in. He was just, he was just all over the place. And he was prescribed some uh, blood pressure medication when he was in his fifties. And at the time, he was still, you know, really fit. Worked in the garden every day. He drank a bit, and right till the end, he did. Uh, but he did not like the side effects of his blood pressure medication. One in particular um, that they give you a little blue pill now for, but he yeah. didn't like that. It caused him to not be as, 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 yeah. as active as it likes to be. Uh, so he reads in mother earth news or somewhere at the time, which he read nonstop. He was a subscriber to that. And, you know, he'd, he'd buy things out of the back and you know, seeds and different plants and, and whatever from there. And uh, garlic, he started, growing his own garlic, eating garlic. He'd have a clove of garlic a day, completely quit taking his blood pressure medication. And the doctors, it was, it was fine. You know, it was, uh, yeah. you know, he, he, he told the doctors he stopped taking his meds and he eats garlic every day. Now that, that said in the middle of the afternoon when he broke his sweat after working in the garden, he didn't want to be within 10 feet of the guy. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, he, he completely didn't give a shit. Like it didn't matter. Right. Him. He didn't care what he smelled like. <laughs> he was healthy. He was fine. Yeah. There, there's a fix for that so, part of it too. Yeah. Ferment the garlic. Oh yeah. Yeah, fermenting the garlic mellows it way out. It's actually really enjoyable to eat a whole clove of fermented garlic. It takes away that really, really strong pungent flavor and really mellows mm -hmm. out that that issue of you know odor walking around you know smelling like a garlic clove. And you you get the probiotics <laughs> from it. But yeah, he he ate it in the morning once a day, and usually in a hard boiled egg. He'd, he'd put it right in, squeeze it right into there, and chew the thing up and eat it with his hard boiled egg. And did it every go. day, and yeah, he had to have a heart valve replaced when he was eighty eight. And hey, wait, I was there. I, oh, go ahead. I thought eggs. Yeah. I thought eggs were bad for you. He ate eggs every day, man, <laughs> and the guy was sharp as a tack till he died. There was yeah. no, no. He did not 
lose a step mentally. Um, but, uh, he, we, and me, you know, I I was, I kind of looked after him. My shop's two miles from their house and, and, and the life care. We took care of ourselves, but no one went into a home. Uh, so, you know, I'd pop in on him or whatever. I'd help him. And when he had the heart valve replaced at 88, it was just stenosis. The thing just firmed up. It was like a callus. It just got hard. It wasn't sealing like it should. You know, like a lot like Joel's experience. It wasn't a birth defect. It was just worn out or actually stiffened up. It worked hardened, basically. So they go in and do it. And the doctor came out and said, we didn't have to do any bypasses on him. Like, not a one. Like, we never, ever go into a guy like this and do a heart valve replacement and not also do a bypass or two. Like, what does he eat? I'm like, well, he drinks about a case of Budweiser a day. He eats his like every morning. He has his eggs and, and his, his meat and his, you know, his bacon and everything's cooked in lard. And there's a big, big thing of bacon fat on him. He eats what he wants to, what he wants to. The doctor was amazed. Like, he just didn't understand. Like, he completely didn't understand why I didn't have to do any bypasses on him. Yeah. Got it. Hey, I, 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 I'm thinking that we may have to make some adjustments to our show format because the three of us just go on and on and on and on. And we go from talk, and I'm looking and we have like five calls on the line that have been there an hour. We we may have to figure out like we'll do a an hour where I just don't even open up any phone lines. So if people want to listen, they can sit and listen to us. We you know we wouldn't do it like a recorded podcast off the air, um, but we might might make some changes to that. We might say the first hour today, we're just going to do our thing, and then we'll open up the phone line. So we'll see. But we do have a bunch of calls, so I want to get to some. Uh, I also have a question from the website. I, I put a post up there and said if you can't get through and you have a question. Uh, Joel, this one might be a good one for you. I haven't driven enough of the different types of auto shifts to know. Uh, he's wondering if there are any mm-hmm. tricks for an auto shift when you get stuck in the snow. You know, he said with the manual, you could always rock back and forth. And with the auto shifts he's driven, two of them, he doesn't say which transmissions, but they were in a Kenworth and a Freightliner. Uh, he says as soon as the tires spin even a little bit, the transmission goes into neutral. Huh. Well, you have to shut that off. There's a, there should be a traction control switch on the dash somewhere. It may say mud and snow on it. It may have a picture of like a half tire with a line through it. Um, have to shut that because that's traction control working for you. It starts and then it wants to try to start really slow and stop and start, stop and start to try to get you moving. So I, I get where he's coming from. Um, some auto shifts or like my eye shift has a feature that they call auto rock where it'll actually rock the truck by itself. You hold your foot to the floor and press a certain button. I don't remember which one it is because I never have to use it, but it'll actually start to rock the truck to get you out of a snowbank or whatever you may be in. Oh, got it. Okay. Interesting. But, so might be that, worth... That, that traction That traction control button, yeah. See if you can find one on the dash there, and next time you're in that situation, just shut it off. Might, might and, even... And that way you can... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might even be worth it to read the owner's manual, huh? Yeah, that might work. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet it's in there somewhere. We forget about that thing, you know, that they put a lot of work into think, writing that I, thing. I think when I get home, I'm going to read the owner's manual while I do a cranberry vodka and garlic cocktail. How about there that? There you go. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one, of my, one of my other hobbies is uh, – is, is audio file stuff. I've been getting into old vintage tube amps and things, and uh, and the preamps, and so a bunch of forums online, right, about this, this stuff. And it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to work with. It's really been a blast. Um, it's all vintage stuff that I have. Nothing super expensive. Uh, replacement cost probably would be. But you go on these things, and and you read something. Someone will ask a question about a piece of equipment they have, and the response will be RTFM. So you guys could figure out what that that means. So. Read the F manual. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, got it. It'll be one word. It'll just say RTFM. Got, got it. All right. So now I just checked uh, Trucking Tribe for questions, and we have several over there. We have several calls on hold. So I'm going to read one from the website, then we're going to go to one here live. Uh, the first one from the website. Steve wants to know is Elvis. JFK Jr. and Joey Biden still alive? 
<laughs> I don't think I'm going to get into that one right now. We're. Uh, <laughs> I think we'll we'll go to the live calls. We're going to head to BC. Murray, welcome to the program. Morning, right, gentlemen. Uh, enjoyable as always. Uh, just I, I had a big grin on my face as y'all started talking this morning. It's, that's hilarious. Anyway, um, uh, just a quick comment and, and uh, two quick comments. Uh, Kevin, I tried that um, uh, maple syrup and uh, cinnamon in last night's yogurt for dessert. And, oh, my goodness. Isn't that I swear incredible? I'll never lose weight again. I, I know. It's, I know. It, it, yeah, it, it, we've we've found a new guilty pleasure. Thanks for that, by the way. You know the <laughs> the interesting thing is the little bit of maple syrup you need to put in there to to get that maple flavor and just a little bit of sweetness, and then the cinnamon really kicks it up. I, it is like a full blown dessert for me, and and it's nowhere near really the is. amount of sugar most people eat for dessert. No, you don't need very much uh, maple syrup at all. Just you know, like. Probably not even a half a teaspoon would, would flavor a serving of it. Uh, yeah, I use and, about a teaspoon. Ground, fresh ground take, cinnamon. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. take much at all. So, yeah, good stuff. Anyway, y'all were talking about uh, all these new trucks. Uh, I drive a 2000 with a 60 series of 390s and 18-speed. I have driven auto shifts, both the 18-speed autos in Peterbilt's and the Max and the Volvos and... Uh, I've driven all kinds of different combinations in years. Um, but last January, I was driving a truck for a friend of mine for 10 days. I swear I've never had as much fun as I did that 10 days. Um, uh, three, the 389 or 379 Peterbilt, four and a quarter cranked up, four and a quarter mechanical cranked up way over 600 horse. It would make enough smoke to bury the back end of the trailer. And and uh, 8LL with a four-speed spicer. <laughs> I don't know how fast that thing would go. I never, ever, <laughs> like, I got it up to 70, and I hadn't even put the, the auxiliary into, into overdrive yet. Holy cow. Uh, so, wow. Yeah. Oh, 8LL. 8LL and a four-speed. I, I have never had so much fun. And like I say, well over 600 horse. Uh, and he didn't tell me it was cranked up. But I, I'm just... You know, nursing it down the road. I'm, I'm, but I thought, man, this thing goes. This is not like any four and a quarter I've ever driven. <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, not like the new Volvos, that's right. for sure. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> All right, thanks for the but, call. But, we're gonna, oh, yeah, we're. Oh, I think, yeah, we're gonna keep going because the calls are just flying in now. Let's go to Kansas, Bob. Welcome to the program. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind? Hey guys, you there? Yep. Go ahead. Hey, uh, I wanted to just uh, discuss a book that I had listened to called "The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels." Have you ever heard of it? Written by Alex Epstein. Uh, I have not. Anyways, he just talks about you know that how. Fossil fuels are the most abundant, most uh, usable form of energy that there is. And he talked about wind and solar and how inefficient they are. They're about the most inefficient. But, you know, I mean, you guys were talking about Ansel Keys earlier, and he described this guy. His name is Paul Ehrlich, and he's kind of the Ansel Keys of this world and uh he ran around in the 1970s talking about how we were going to run out of oil by 1992. And uh, not only did we not run out and we, you know, we basically doubled it by the year 2000, what we used, but it's really a book about environmentalism and stuff and how misguided it is. The, the, The thing that I picked up on towards the end of the book is that, a lot. This guy, his name Paul Ehrlich, and he is is a naturist, I believe. You know, is what they call him, and he believes that the human race 
is the problem on this earth. And the only way the environment can ever recover if all humans were off of the planet. And uh, he describes, this book, by the way, was written in 2015. And he describes how he would like to see a virus come and take go and kill the human race, basically, or enough of the population to knock it back to a level where the earth and nature could take back over. And I was just curious, have you ever heard of this, this thought? And it's not just him, but he's kind of like the godfather or of it, of this idea. But many of these environmentalists have this exact same thought. And I was just curious. It, I don't know if you want to talk about conspiracy theories, but this idea of this manufactured COVID virus being let loose, you know, give it, hand it to an irresponsible Chinese lab and let it just wipe out population. Not only a, a virus that's been manufactured that is deadly, to let it just go out onto a population. And I've always wondered, I just was curious what you think about that. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you know, I, I actually, I'm, I'm going to put the book on my list. I want to read it. Um, I, I have nothing against fossil fuels. When, when I talk about electric, for me, it's really not an issue of the environment because, honestly, I haven't done enough research to know whether or not, you know, if we went fully electric, would it be all that much better for the environment? There's always a whole bunch of unintended consequences we won't be aware of. Our environment is a really, really complicated thing. So I'm, I'm of the mindset that, Absolutely, the climate is changing. There's no doubt. But the Earth has been changing for as far back as we can, you know, figure it out. They they tell us there used to be one big land mass, and they broke up into all the continents we have now. That's a pretty major change. Come on, uh, it, you know, it, we've had ice ages. We so absolutely, the environment is changing. Do humans affect it? Of course, they do. You can't put billions of people on this planet doing all the things that human do, humans do and not have an impact on the, uh, the environment. So I'm with those two things. Of course, those are true. My part is, do we, are we smart enough to know what's going to be better for the environment? And I don't mean small incremental changes. As much as I hated how emissions affected trucking, I really like the way emissions have affected our environment. I, I don't miss the days of walking through a truck stop with your eyes watering and your throat burning from all the diesel fumes in the air. So I, I'm a believer that we should be working to make the environment cleaner. But I don't believe we're smart enough to just say a, an entire switch to electric is going to be better for the planet. I like electric because I think it outperforms internal combustion engines in almost every category. Oh, absolutely. And that was part of his case that he talks about is that coal and oil are just stepping stones so we can continue to use our ingenuity and our giant brains to continually make these these vehicles better in whichever way it leads us. And that was his point as well, you know, that it's not all about oil, but our, our moral responsibility is to make the next generation stronger, and they build upon what we've already built on. That's kind of what... Another yeah, point the, 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 the problem the problem with that is the next generation's going to die before they're fifty. They're all pre-diabetic already. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not with your guys' help, though. Not yeah, with well, your yeah. Just <laughs> there you go. We're making them better out here. We're making them better. Maybe that's that, maybe that's the actual manufactured virus is coming from the food from the food industry, not from uh, not from some lab in China. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I, you know, if we want to go down the conspiracy theory road about COVID and vaccines, my God, we're uh, we're going to have to. Uh, it's going to start sounding like what, what's the midnight show? The, the, yeah, let's not. Yeah, the the weird overnight show where they talk about all that stuff. It, it just gets too out there oh. for me, and I, I'm not saying that. That there's parts of these things that aren't true. The, the problem is you can talk and talk and talk. You can't ever prove any of this stuff. Right. So, Kevin, one of the things about the whole environmental part in trucking, and I take a lot of heat from this from guys because 
we embraced the emissions engines early on. Um, and we always thought, you know, if there's a way to do this cleaner where we can still make money, um, we should do it. Yes. I don't think that what we're, what we're doing is, you know, going to devastate the environment. I, I just like it being clean. You're from the same area of the country that I am. You absolutely remember Cleveland, Lorraine, Youngstown with the big haze from the steel mills hanging over them. The, the lake is just horrible. The Cuyahoga River burning. I, I was going to you know, say. You know, that stuff was I, crazy. Yeah, I remember the Cuyahoga yeah. River being on fire in downtown Cleveland. <laughs> multiple multiple hey. times. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's a really bad sign. You know? I, I, so, I, you know, that that's the point where you really got to stop and say, what are we doing here? Um, you know, I get the challenges that are involved. I, I mean, we spent a hell of a lot of money overcoming those challenges and, and not because anybody forced us to. As, as a business, we just thought it was the right thing to do. Um, when everybody was talking to leads and everybody was building glider kits, we, uh, we invested money in training our techs and building a shop to, to understand this stuff. And so we were way ahead of the learning curve on a lot of this stuff. It just, uh, you know, I don't consider myself a tree hugger by any stretch of the imagination, but if you can do something cleaner and still make money doing it, you should probably do it. I, I agree. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things I've talked about this before, um, we send all of our old cars, trucks, equipment, everything, you know, to the southern hemisphere after we've worn it out. And, uh, you know, I can recall being in Costa Rica, going up a two lane mountain road behind several trucks. I had to pull off. I, you could not stand the, the fumes coming off those trucks going up those hills. My eyes were burning. Yeah. I could barely breathe. I, I finally just pulled off and had to wait. And sometimes you just can't even get away from it. It was so bad. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And we used to see that all the time in our area. I can remember as a little kid, we, we had a boat up on the lake, and we'd go down to the boathouse and you swing the door open and there was this sludge sitting on top of the water, you know, and you were like, do we even really want to go outside the boat? You know, this foamy brown shit and a couple dead fish oh, over there. And, I mean, it, it was crazy, but, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I always think about when, when I think about this stuff is our area in particular, Pittsburgh, Youngstown, Cleveland, Detroit, Gary, Indiana, Chicago, and to some extent, Milwaukee. It was it was a it was a shit show. Yeah, I mean it was crazy. Yeah. Hey, absolutely it, crazy. Yeah. And I remember and we're, we're all about. Oh, it, go ahead. Yeah, one more thing. I remember <clears throat> this was obviously way before my time, but in the I think it's like early 1900s or so, there are pictures of of cities like Pittsburgh where the streetlights are on in the middle of the day because you can't see the sun from the pollution. Listen, we we see that in China today, yeah, and true. before all this stuff, a few years back, before all this stuff got kicked off with uh, you know the the military stuff going on, I was invited over to a conference in China because they are forced into doing something with emissions that people just can't breathe. And you're exactly right; they have the street lights on during the day. Those cities are so polluted that you know they're just dropping dead from the pollution yeah. and. Uh, it's crazy how bad it is over there, and it, the government's actually forced into emissions just for health reasons for their citizens in them big cities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. John, what did you have? Oh, I, you guys are, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. We're, we're all about the same age. Uh, my doctor, the only real doctor I ever had in my whole life was my dad's aunt, my grandfather's youngest sister, uh, delivered me and was my doctor until I was in my 30s. Uh, but her office was on the south side of Pittsburgh, and I lived out in the eastern suburbs and would drive through those tunnels into town, and in the middle of the day in the summertime, it was gray and kind of yellowish and had this sulfur smell, and as a kid from the suburbs, it would make me sick. Like, I, I would, I, it would be I, gross. And, dude, I remember, I, I remember that same thing out fishing on the lake. You'd be out by Kelly's Island. You'd look over. You could see Detroit off in the distance with this big, orange, gray, nasty mass over it. You could see Cleveland, and you're like, which way is the wind going to blow, and where do we got to go to get out of the haze because it's going to come right over? It was nuts. It yeah. was just crazy. Yeah. 
Yep. Yep. I and get uh, it. onto the electric thing. Onto the electric thing again, and a lot of people overlook this. Um, you know, I'm not going to poo-poo wind and solar and such as long as the storage technology continues to do what it does. And the advantage that everybody seems to, if you just dumped it into the grid as it is, yeah, it's freaking useless. All right. But if that thing sits there and turns around and moves and does its thing and puts some, some electricity into a battery somewhere that's stored that could be added when needed or could fill in a spot, that, that actually works. And much in the same way with the electric trucks and things that are coming our way, I've said this before, your truck can't make diesel fuel going down a hill. An electric truck can make some electricity going down a hill. Uh, You've got wasted energy to heat on your brakes that doesn't do anything. Uh, In the future, we're going to see these things. And one, they're going to perform. They are going to be cheaper to run for that reason, if no other. Uh, There's way less waste. As long as the storage capacity is there and as long as battery technology continues to do what it does right now, uh, batteries are already becoming cleaner. The disposable stuff is going to be easier to dispose of. They're, they're, they're making batteries out of stuff, you know, like, like the, the iron lithium things that are, that are way less lithium than the others. Yeah, they're, they're going to get better and better. And that, those technologies are going to be driven. You can't just stay in the past. Um, I don't have much against burning fossil fuels as long as you do it cleanly. I mean, it could be done, um, you know, so that that's it. But, you know, I, I, I do believe it's a finite resource. I think we're probably using it faster than the Earth's creating it from the dead dinosaurs down there. But, uh, you know, that, that'll taper off at some point. We're going to strike a balance where, you know, we're, we're, we're not burning more fossil fuels than the Earth's creating on its own. And we're also, you know, we, we, we have things that are going to work. I mean, there's no reason to fear away from it or take one side or the other on this. I, I and agree. on top of that, just, just, just this morning, I rode an electric motorcycle, not an e-bike, a, a proper electric motorbike. I forget. I took a picture of it. I forget the name of it right now. This thing was scary. It was like the strongest 252 stroke I've ever in my life. One of our drivers with the team I'm working for, he's got two of them. He's got one set up as what they call a motard, which is basically like a uh, like a dirt bike with uh, road racing tires on it. Okay. You know, it's got suspension of a dirt bike, but it's got basically sport bike tires on it. That's the one I rode. He's got another one set up with knobbies for riding. So, you know, the thing looks like a CR250 or an RM250 or whatever with with uh, road race tires on it. it wow. It's cool as hell. And honestly, that thing will stand up. Like it, it was just it was it, it's got a 200-mile range and it will scare the snot out of you. <laughs> and I'm sorry you can't take your RM or CR250 go 200 miles on that tank of fuel. It, that, um it was yeah. just it was unbelievable. Like I I, I was blown away. And and I'm going one one extreme to the other. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a two cycle fanatic. I love the sound, the oh, smell, everything about it. Yeah, they're dirty yeah. as hell. I realize, but uh, you know, like like for home, I went from I went from a, a stinky old lawn boy to an ego. Right? So we've got yeah, got right. an ego with two batteries at home. It's the best lawnmower I've ever used. It's fantastic. It, 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 it's it's great. But this dirt bike today, the motorcycle I was just on, I'm blown away by it. <laughs> I'm completely blown away by it. It was it was it was unreal. So you factor that in, the market's going to control it. People are going to buy these things if they want it. They're not going to buy because it it's cleaner. They're not going to buy it because whatever. They're going to be like, oh man, that thing is cool. Um, the same guy who owns these two motorcycles has the first uh, GMC Hummer EV in the in the in southern than the southeast. So he's got one of those too. It's not here though. I wish it was. But he said that thing is unreal. He said it is absolutely unbelievable. A thousand horsepower pickup truck. Did you happen to get the weight on that bike? I did not. It didn't feel heavy at all. So where it carries its weight, it is. I'll find out before the end of the weekend. I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you a picture of it after after, yeah, after I, I leave I, here. I'd love but to yeah, see it. it I, definitely. Uh, I yeah. raced motocross for years, and I'm a I'm a two stroke fanatic as well. I was sad to, the first time I drove past the motocross track, and I'm listening to the bikes, and I'm like, "What the hell is that?" They were all four strokes. I had gotten away from it for so long. I'm like, "What the hell is that noise?" They were all four strokes. And, you know, I, I I still have a soft spot in my heart for two-stroke clots oil burning. I'll, I'll ride behind somebody all day long. Yeah, I'll, there you go. Yeah, there, you go. Uh, yeah. there you I go. There you go. Dump that in the fuel tank of the truck and pipe the exhaust in, right? There you go. Yeah. All, all of our... 
all of our go-karting, you know, my, my son's go-karting as a kid, we, we always raced two strokes. We never went down the four cycle path, the Briggs path. Uh, we, we used to joke about some of those kids being the, the ones that were going to swear and, and, and dip tobacco and whatever. But we, we were the, we were the snob, we were the snobby two cycle road racers and nothing but clots bean oil in our, nothing but like that was it. It was, it was caster or nothing in there. So if you mix caster with a little bit of Smoko racing fuel, my God, does it smell good. Like, there's nothing better. I, I think I need a t-shirt that says my my favorite essential oil is clots <laughs> hey there you go <laughs> uh, so uh, a lot of you know they, that, that's synonymous with old british sports cars too i don't know if you realize that but they run they run castor oil in those as well I didn't they look a little that. bit in their fuel all the time and yeah uh, oh yeah yeah that, that smell is synonymous with old british cars as well yep interesting all right hey we're gonna we're gonna grab a call i know we could go on and on and on but uh we're gonna add voitech to the conversation that should be fun Voitech, what's up? Uh, I, I make no promises. Uh, you do that at your own risk. Uh, uh, got a question for Joel. When you got your uh, heart in frame, uh, did you spring extra for that uh, chrome option on that valve? Yeah, highly polished stainless steel. Yeah, I got the... <laughs> yeah, actually, more, no, they did put in... Yeah, right. They did put in a high-purity carbon valve that supposedly has less stuff sticking to it. So I, I guess in a way, yeah, we, we did get the, the chrome <laughs> option. You got the synthetic, go. yeah, on your in-frame. You got the... My my grandpa just got a pig's valve when he got his. Like that was a, that was it. He they they gave him. A I was just pig. gonna say they 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 used to put put pig valves in, uh, especially yeah. for kids. Yep. They, they grow outgrow valves yeah. so fast they they do the pig. Uh, yeah, I got they, a question. They, I got a two thousand. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. I, I got a 2010 Volvo, and um, I uh, sprung a leak a couple of weeks back in uh, rush hour traffic in L.A. downtown. Uh, a coolant elbow cracked and uh, stopped the motor running, and uh, I put some duct tape on it, filled it back up with water and coolant that I had, and uh, after it pulled off a little bit, I... Uh, Went down a couple miles down the road till it happened again. At that point, I waited till traffic died down um, at about 11 o'clock. Put more coolant in it, or water actually, and uh, drove it to the closest dealer about 14 miles. Where in the morning, I replaced the elbow that cracked, put new coolant in it, and went on my way. But I started getting a code for number six cylinder mechanical fault i think was mechanical maybe like it was a mechanical fault code um did that my did my driving that those couple miles uh mess up the the injector cup on number six since it gets least cooling or least efficient cooling is that a Mm. possibility Mm -hmm. I don't. I, I I don't think so. How hot did it get? Well, it didn't get hot. I try not to get it hot at all. I have a fan bypass switch, so I was running it on the fan. But I, I can't tell you exactly how much coolant I lost. I put in probably three gallons in the next morning. Uh, but mm-hmm. how much? I mean, I, I and I kept an eye on the temperature, but obviously it's not going to read proper temperature when it's just reading air, you know, depending on how low, I don't know if it got low enough to not to read. Uh, but I drove with the fan on just to keep the coolant as cool as possible, but it was all over the engine bay. Um, gotcha. You know, coolant leak was all over. So, and it was at a pretty high point in the system, right under that uh, reservoir tank, that elbow that uh, it, it cut into the, one of the clamps. I'm just wondering if you blew coolant all over the engine, if maybe something to get into the electrical harness and right. cause a short or something. Mm. I, I, I yeah, would I suppose that, that, that may be a better chance of that happening than that actual event causing that injector to go, go bad. I, I, I suppose it could possibly be, but uh, I would more assume that, you got coolant into the wiring harness and it's giving you fits. Mm. 
well, let's, let's hope. So I did just get all the uh, injectors and cups replaced about six months ago. Hopefully I won't have to get back into it. And, and what, um, what year is it? 2010. Tell me they done your exhaust plungers when they done your injectors, cups, and everything. I don't know. Probably not. And you may be putting cups back in it then. If they didn't pull those exhaust plungers out, verify they were an adjustment and lock tied them before they put that thing back together. When they put it all together, Randy overhead, the second you started it, it was right back out of adjustment. So mm-hmm. hard to say if they didn't do that. On, on the Volvos with unit injectors, um, you have to adjust both sides of that and the, the plungers on the opposite side because there's, there's such high, high pressure um, going on there that they designed it that way so you could have that uh, adjustment on both sides to really dial in the adjustment to, to cope with them high-pressure unit injectors. So if you don't, if you only adjust one side of that overhead, you're you're done before you even get started. I will call the guy that did it and double check. I also got another question on the aerodynamics. Uh, I pull a septic, and this wind is killing my fuel mileage. <laughs> um, I, a while back, I got some OBS or AS, ABS uh, plastic sheets uh, with the intention of. Uh, installing them in between the frame to kind of clean up the air going underneath it and also maybe under the truck kind of make one smooth surface under the truck all the way to uh and under the trailer as much as possible uh has anybody done anything like that and is that even uh gonna is that, will that help steve crumbs even a, a practical Steve Crone's done quite a bit with that on on van trailers, yeah. um, closing up all the bottom of it. And John hasn't he also worked on the tractor some? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah he's I got he's so. got some floors under the tractor as well. <clears throat> for you know, for what it's worth, I, I realize my race cars are not semi trucks, but the most important aerodynamic surface on one of my race cars is the floor. Yeah. Um, I'll see drag if we've got an imperfection somewhere or some damage on the floor of the car. And it's a big flat floor car. It's not like, um, you know, our, our prototypes and formula cars aren't like a, a regular car with a, you know, exposed frame and a bunch of stuff underneath there. It's all sealed up. And it's got a diffuser on the rear, much like the one Steve's designing, but his, his goes the other direction. But it, it diffuses the air that comes out of the back of the car. Um, again, really similar to, to the work that Steve's doing with his aerodynamic stuff. And the floor is smooth. Uh, Steve swears by it. I've heard contradictory, you know, some guys have put pitot tubes and data sensors and things under there and said there's no air movement there anyway, not to worry about it. I personally believe in it. Um, the only trick you're going to have, Voitech, with whatever you put on there, make sure it doesn't flap. Um, if you've got something yeah, that, on there and it, it, that's, it's flapping around, it's going to create more drag than whatever was there before. So whatever you do, make right. sure it's really rigid. And even if you got to put something on it to make it rigid, uh, like, you know, some... Uh, some pieces of angle or something perpendicular to the the, the stuff that the stuff yeah, that's I have under some, there. Yeah, yeah. I have some aluminum. I have aluminum uh, angle that I was gonna just build like a, a skeleton, like a frame, and uh, yep. kind of screw the plastic to that. Uh, obviously, if there's a DOT inspection, and they may have an issue with not being able to see under the tractor and the, and the trailer. But I also have a unique situation where I got to get around a spread axle on the on the trailer to kind of you know i don't know i'm just kind of scratching my head how to do it and and with a septic and i do a lot of oversize is that even gonna do anything with all that variability i have with aerodynamics on the top side of the trailer is that even going to be is that going to be a waste of my time and money and well you know just pointing about the bottom Here's my thought on this, and John, you can probably add to it. I've always looked at each aerodynamic problem individually at first, and if there's an aerodynamic problem, like on the top of the trailer, because it's an open deck, there's nothing we can do about that. That's the operation. But improving the aerodynamics under the trailer should still be an improvement. Now, I understand that doesn't always work. There are times where the better we make the aerodynamics in the front, the worse they get in the back. But but 
John, are, am I heading down the right path there that you look at them individually first and any aerodynamic improvement you can make should be an improvement? Yeah, absolutely. If you look at, uh, again, here I go related to race cars, but if you look at a Formula One car or an Indy car, you know how not aerodynamic a tire is? It's an open-wheel car. It's open open wheel because of the rules. It has to be an open-wheel car, right? That's the look. That's what it is. An Indy car looks like an Indy car going around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with its wheels hanging out, and there's, you know, it's dangerous for that reason, and that's part of why people watch what we do. The aerodynamics and all the stuff in between that, so, so the tires account for more aero drag than the whole rest of the car does, but we still work our asses off on the floor of the car, on everything else, uh, because it all adds up. It's cumulative. So any drag you take out, you're taking drag out. Okay, so you're going to have a crappy load once in a while that's really ugly shaped or whatever. You'll deal with it, but it's still going to be better than it would be had you not done the work on the bottom of the truck. So, Well, I'll give it a go, see what happens. There you yeah, go. Yeah, and if you're not spending a ton right. of money on it, if you're just some, some elbow grease of your own, you know, why not? Yeah. And a lot of things, uh, Steve, you know, you you know, I guess with a step deck, it's not as much of an issue, but like the trailer stays clean or all kinds of other things where there were other, other knock on effects of smoothing off the bottom of the truck. Steve could tell you about at some point, but, uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't see how it's a problem or any reason not to do it. There you go. All right. We're going to grab a couple more calls because we are almost out of time. Even in the second hour, we're going to head to Mississippi. Matt, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, gentlemen. What's on your mind today? Um, just wanted to. Well, I sent you a podcast last week. Uh, Mike Rowe, the way I heard it, is the name of his podcast. And the two weeks ago now, he recorded the title of it, Where's the Beef? And in that episode, he interviews, and I'm not going to remember the guy's name completely. Vinny Torrentino, I believe. Yeah. Yep. This guy, his life story is a lot like yours, Kevin. Um, there, there's a joke in there about Asians. Oh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Say, saying the wrong things. <laughs> uh. But this guy, he did uh, in Hollywood, you know, training actors and all that to lose weight quickly for roles. Okay. And through the keto diet and all that. Um, and as he's gotten more outside of that, you know, he was unknown to the public. He just, he worked in that industry. And now later in life, he's moved more into the public eye and now he's getting shut down. He's been removed from Wikipedia, all kinds of different things. Imagine that. So that, that part of it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the whole podcast is interesting, and, but there's a couple things in there. He talks about the original, whenever the first time the Guinness Book of World Records, the identified person is the heaviest person in the world. Yeah. want to guess? I, I believe it was in the 60s. Oh, Do you want to guess who the heaviest person in the world was back then? I would probably say in the 400-pound range, maybe. Yep. I don't remember the exact number, but it was four something. Okay, I figured that. But what what is it today? <laughs> oh, I don't even know. But oh, I, you I, know, well, we four hundred pound people everywhere today. Well, we have a we have an entire TV <laughs> show that's been on for many many seasons called My Six Hundred Pound Life, and you got to wow. be six hundred pounds to make it on the show. And, and there's a new episode every week. Um, and I know you're running out of time, but he also just came out with a documentary called Beyond Impossible. And that's a play on Beyond oh, Meat or whatever yeah. that stuff called in the Impossible Burger. Yeah. Yeah. Fake Meat. I watched it this past weekend. It's knowing everything that we know, it wasn't great. But for people that don't know all this stuff, it was. I mean, there was plenty of information there. Just yeah, yeah. Nothing new and exciting. Got it. Yeah. The, the biggest thing I learned, the uh, ingredient T protein yes. for in these in baked meats and other, you know, snack chips and all that. Right. Instead of using other starches, 
I always just assumed this was green peas. It, right. Like pea pods and that. It, <laughs> these are field peas or cow peas. Or there's, there's all kinds of different peas. Basically no different than a soybean. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Yep. Just, it, it's just the same grain problem with a different name. And we know what soy does. So we, uh, we, we could, you know, if I had more time, we'd talk about man boobs and all that other stuff. But uh, it, we have absolutely poisoned our food supply. There is just no doubt about it. And it gets worse and worse all the time. And again, that's in everything too. It's crazy. I, like I'm a fanatic label reader. Like it, it just it just drives me nuts. Soy protein in this. Soy protein in that. Yeah. And you know these race teams that I work for, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, people don't understand. Like I'm the the consultant that comes in. Like I come in and I help them make their car go fast. I look at I've got these extensive data systems on the cars that I'm really knowledgeable with. Take the data off and look at some aero stuff, and I look at gearing, and I look at all kinds of stuff, just as if we're plugging into your truck and looking at your, your data from your ECU and, and, and then some, like I have sensors on all sorts of things. But, uh, so these, that's generally healthy people, especially on the professional end. You've got you guys that were in the gym nonstop and there's a small community of us who kind of get it. You know, I, I run into a trainer every now and then a lot of these guys will travel with a physio. Some of these people are super wealthy, but the teams all have, Cliff bars and granola bars and this bar and that bar and everything under the sun. They have, they're, they're, they're everywhere. And like, why do you eat this shit? Like, why exactly. is this here? And they actually think it's healthy. I know. They I, think I, they're health minded <laughs> drivers and their race cars want to eat this stuff. Hey. And maybe they do want to eat it. Maybe they also think it's healthy and they're just, they just happen to be active enough. You know, I, I get the equation on the weight loss and the exercise and so forth, but. If you really are that active, if you're in the gym every single day, which none of us have time to do, I, I, I'm not driving a truck around as much as you guys are, but I'm in the shop 12 to 14 hours a day when I'm home or I'm traveling somewhere or I'm at the track from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. or whatever, I don't have time to get to the gym either. But some of these guys do. You know, They have the means. They're wealthy enough. Their businesses run themselves. They get up in the morning, go to the gym for a couple hours, come out and manage to keep themselves in shape eating really poorly. Exactly. That yeah. said, the ones my age I talk to, they're complaining about their joints. They yeah. have other issues and, and they want to blame whatever activity it was they did. Oh man, I wore my knees out skiing <laughs> or I hurt my, I hurt my shoulder golfing. I golfed so much. I hurt my shoulder. You're right. I'm like, yeah. it's, dude, it's just inflammation. It's all that fucking crap that you eat. It that's has nothing it. to do with that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so. right. The human body is pretty damn incredible and it doesn't wear out if you take care of it. It, it, and if it does where it takes an awful long time. So you're right. The aches and pains we get in our 40s, 50s. Hell, I had them in my 20s. It has nothing to do with wearing any. And I said those things. Oh, my neck is such a mess from all those years of wrestling. Uh, except now I'm almost 60 and my neck is fine Nothing wrong with it anymore. No pain. I, I feel bad that I don't go to my chiropractor anymore. I've been going to a chiropractor my whole life, and I don't go anymore. You know, because I don't need to anymore. I, so I said those things, too. Yeah, it was all that wrestling. No, it was all those Twinkies and, and all that, uh, you know, granola and healthy breakfast cereals and all that other crap. Now... Now the the next line of products we're bringing into our store for snacks, bags of meat. It, it's I mean this company yep. is awesome. They're using all grass fed regenerative. But you get like a bag of ribeye. Uh, it's like you know uh -oh. somewhat dehydrated and still kind of chewy. It's not exactly like jerky, but you can get lamb and New York strip. And now there's oh. a snack. Now we're talking. Uh, my my biggest problem is what to do with the energy. Like, I really, yeah. I, honestly, uh, I, I, may, I may have dabbled with uh, some recreational things in the past, and honestly, the, just the diet and, and maybe a small fast coupled with a nice piece of steak or something. Like I will get this insane amount of energy. It, it's it's nuts. It's like I did a line of cocaine or something. It is insane. Yep. It, 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 I don't know how to describe it. And when I tell people about this, I'm oh, like, well, hey. why do you have so much? You're 55 years old. You should be like that. Like, well, hey. well, why? I'm like, 
it's just what I eat. Your, your, <laughs> so, your yeah. description of doing a line of cocaine, for anybody that's ever done cocaine, that's pretty accurate. That's a good description. That <laughs> <laughs> is how it feels. <laughs> Yeah, you know, hey, I, I was around in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah. Anyway, what do you do? That's right. That's right. All right, we're we're gonna knock out a couple more calls because I just look. Talk about energy. We've been going two hours. We haven't even slowed down. No breaks. No nothing. I love it. Erica in or Eric. I'm sorry. In Virginia, welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, quick question about yogurt. Um. I'm finally going to get home and get to make my first batch, but I can't remember what your name was. I've got your uh, starters, and I don't remember what your name was for the skinny one, the one that was supposed to take inches off you. Oh, do you remember what the scientific name was? Is that the Gasserai? No, but that was something I could have looked up. The problem is I don't know what you'd call it because that's what you wrote on the jars. Yeah, I I don't think it was the bomber. It was what's the other B one? uh, Barbarian. Barbarian. Yeah, Barbarian. Was that? I think that was the one, wasn't it? Or was uh, or was it the bomber? It would be the bomber. I think the Barbarian is the one for muscle recovery because that's the one I combined with the El Ruderai. Yeah. Okay. That's what I want to do is El Ruderai and the bomber, but um. And is there anything wrong with making the yogurt thinner so I could drink it rather than eating it as a yogurt, or does that reduce the efficacy? Uh, no, you're basically making something similar to kefir, which is kind of like a liquid yogurt. So yeah. you know, we we don't want we don't want liquids to become our food, but you know, it's not like you really chew yogurt anyway. So uh, yeah, making it thinner no. if you like to drink, it's no big deal. I figured the point of the yogurt was the bacteria, not yeah, it, the yogurt now, itself. So. Now, here's something. Why don't you thin it out with some kefir? Well, yeah, I guess I could do that. That just adds an extra step, I figured. But it, I guess it also depends on how it comes out in the first place. Like I said, I haven't done it yet. Well, it's, let me... I've had, I've had your starters for a month and a half and I haven't had a chance to do anything with them. Yeah, so. with just a pretty simple step there of straining it and then adding the kefir, when you strain it, you get rid of the whey. Almost all of the carbs are in the whey, so you've lowered the carb count by getting rid of the whey. Then you add in the kefir, which is giving you a bunch of new bacterial strains. So, yeah, I think that'd be the way I would do it. Okay. Now, the only other thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, you were in the Army in the 80s, right? Yes. Yep. Did, did you guys use Gatorade back then, like out on the flight line or wherever you worked? No. No, not at all. Oh, well, okay. Well, I was in the Air Force, 89-92, working on the flight line in Oklahoma, and they carried Gatorade on the trucks. The funny thing is, nowadays, everybody talks about Gatorade like it's sugar water, which it is. But back then... I mean, we were making it out of a powdered mix and mixing it into a big five-gallon thing. We called it gator piss, and also I referred to it as flavored sweat because that's exactly what it tasted like back then. <laughs> because it, it tasted like you know, put some orange flavoring on your arm when you're sweating, and that's what it tasted like. And that's, but I'm like, Gatorade has even changed over the years. You know, it's like it, now it's just sugar water, but back wow. then it actually gave you something. I just wonder why it changed over the decades. Well, it changed because we sweeten everything now because Americans can't handle food that isn't sweetened. Even savory food now gets sweetened. Makes me insane to look at barbecue sauces in the grocery store because almost every one of them, the first ingredient is high fructose corn syrup in a barbecue sauce. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. No. The hard part for me is even... Even stevia sweetened things. Like I, a couple of years ago, I bought um, some keto bricks, and you know, thinking, oh well, you know, this will be a good add-on to my diet or something, just in case. But I can't eat the damn things because they're too, they're too sweet. sweet with stevia. I know. I yep. Same yeah. way. <laughs> that 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 is nothing but a taste preference that Americans have adapted to over the years. Food just gets sweeter and sweeter every year. That was all I had. All right. That's all we need. And I'm going to grab one more call, and then we are going to wrap this up today. Uh, Aaron in Ohio, welcome. 
Hi. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I called a long time ago about my cholesterol. Uh, it was uh, in extreme numbers, and I was following your keto diet. And it was 413 a long time ago. It went dropped down after that, thereafter, um, due to me changing diets, like eating vegetarian. Um, but I could only go so far with that diet. It wasn't very fun. Um, so I kind of trickled back into the keto lifestyle and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I just am becoming concerned with the numbers. Um, my, I'm getting the detailed cholesterol test. Yeah. And I sent one to you. You got that. Um, and it seems high, and I haven't talked to my primary about that or well, either well, my well, don't. Uh, heart doctor about yeah, that. D- don't. Don't talk to them about this. Um, not if you want to be healthy. Uh, let me make a recommendation. I have the report here. I, I really don't. It, it, this is the kind of report I like to see for cholesterol. Almost nobody does this test. Uh, unfortunately, it's also pretty difficult to go through uh, on the air, and we're really out of time, and I don't want to try to cover it, not do justice to it. So I I would make two recommendations, really one. Uh, You do have some high numbers here. Going vegetarian or vegan isn't going to fix it, and it's going to do all kinds of other nasty things to your health. Uh, You're eating probably closer to the right way now. It might not be perfect. But some of the numbers I'm seeing here without doing a deep dive into them are a little concerning. Uh, I would highly recommend you do a consult with Dr. Wolfson. Dr. Wolfson, okay. And they also gave me a CT. Do you recommend doing a CT calcium score? Um, uh, that radiation uh, can actually uh, oxidize your cholesterol. It, it's, no, I'm not big on a lot of these screenings. The, the, that one is probably one of the least problematic, so I'm not you know, totally against that the way I am a lot of other screenings. Um, but again, Dr. Wilson being a cardiologist, really going to be able to help you understand your score on that and your score on cholesterol. And he will absolutely show you how to solve it with food alone. And, and he's going to lead you towards a more carnivore keto type diet. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll get a hold of him then. Um, so, that's the main thing. I was just getting a little concerned with the, yeah, that the, the things I, like triglycerides are obviously very low. It seems very good, and, but, you know, yeah, the higher you, numbers are also. You've got some unusual numbers, and that's why I, I would really need more time to dig into this and then compare it to your diet. And My guess is you've still got a lot of bad oils and, um, you know, poorer quality meat in your diet. Yeah, yeah. A lot of meals are um, coming from meal services, even though they're keto and right. They they still many of them use really bad oils. They don't use regenerative raised meat and and you know properly raised the animals. And that's usually what throws people's cholesterol off when they're eating a real food diet. Most of the time, we say if you're eating a paleo based diet. Even if it is super low carb like keto or close to carnivore, but the food quality is high, your cholesterol numbers will be fine. But you've got a couple things going on. There are some genetic things that can play a role in cholesterol. It's not all that common. But, but again, you've got enough unusual numbers here that I would, I would really feel more comfortable having you um, do a, uh, a consult with Dr. Wilson. Hey, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Um, we are all out of time, and I see Bruce is knocking on my door. I think they want to get us in the garage so we can start working on that. So, uh, John and Joel, I really appreciate you guys hanging out for two hours today. That was awesome. Cool. Oh, we, I, think we lost, I think we lost Joel. What happened to him? Well, I'm still here. Uh, yeah. Joel, Joel disappeared. He must have went up a hill or something. All right, we'll uh, we will oh, we'll do it again, maybe even next week if you guys have time. Cool. All right. See you, Kevin. Thanks. All right. See you, everybody. We are done. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.